One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. A true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And right before we started, my friend texted, Do you want to have coffee? And I said, Sorry, I have to record. And then I thought real fast, like, what could I call my podcast for short? And then I thought of it, and then I got too embarrassed to send it to her. Uh, what, what and I came up with, with Potty C. <laughs> I have to record my pot, P O D D Y C. As in cast. <laughs> You've joined I said, our potty, see? <laughs> welcome to our true crime potty, see? And I said that to her. I, saw, I thought of this and I got too embarrassed to send it. And she wrote, yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so welcome to They Will Kill a True Crime Potty, see? I'm Cordiac, this is Sadiac, and it's Sadie's Night. And what do you have for us tonight, Sadie Ray? Oh, this is the tragic death of Megan Meyer. Oh, boy. I found many of the details for this episode from an article in The New Yorker called Friend Game, written by Lauren Collins. In early October 2006, 13-year-old Megan Meyer was trying to find herself. She was in the middle of her eighth grade year at Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Dardeen Prairie, Missouri. Eighth grade, eighth grade. Eighth grade in Dardeen Prairie, Missouri, oh. like the most Missouri... Town name I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, it's just 30 miles west of St. Louis. Her parents, Tina and Ron, were high school sweethearts who got married the year after high school. Tina gave birth to Megan two years later when she was 22 years old and described baby Megan as a, quote, chunky little thing who always had an attitude. Oh, boy. A few years after Megan was born, her little sister Allison entered the family. As Megan got older, she was described as, quote, bubbly and goofy. Megan loved spending time with her friends and was a self-described, quote, chihuahua maniac. 
<laughs> oh, no. That's so cute. Yes. She had her own chihuahua named Barry. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. She loved to fish with her dad, uh, watch horror movies, and was, quote, loud and funny. She laughed in, quote, theatrical air-sucking gasps. Oh, bud. She was the type of person who spent her middle school years walking one of her fellow classmates who was blind to and from class every day just to make sure he wasn't picked on. You are trying to kill me today, Sadie Ray. This is going to kill me. Yeah, it's really, really sad. <sighs> In 1994, when Megan was just a year old, so we're backing up a little bit, so she was a year old, the family moved to a modest home on Waterford Crystal Drive. Oh my God, you're kidding. <laughs> that so you 90s. know the developers, yes, and you know the developers were like, what is the finest material mm-hmm. on earth? Mm-hmm. Like Waterford Crystal. <laughs> I want, uh, no, next, next door is Closene Egg exactly. Drive. <laughs> what are the scorcrots? What are the crystals? I can never say it. Swarovski. I should have just let you keep trying because that was great. Swarovski Crystal Lane. I really am dying to know. I need to go look it up. I'm sure Street View would tell me. What's the dessert? Vianetta Drive. This is the nicest thing. Height of, the 90s. of luxury. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they moved to a modest home on Waterford Crystal Drive in one of the many subdivisions popping up in the area. The neighborhood at the time was described as a quote particularly friendly block. Residents talked in their driveways or backyards, invited one another for drinks on the patio, and for Super Bowl parties. They carpooled, dog sat, shared with one another the numerical codes that would open their garage doors. Mm-hmm. Megan and her parents became close to many of the families in the neighborhood. Megan's parents were thrilled that so many of their neighbors had kids the same age as theirs. When Megan started school, she already had a built-in group of friends. The Myers felt lucky. During elementary school, Megan was fast to make friends, but also suffered from low self-esteem, and kids at school soon learned that she was easy to pick on. No. Tina remembered Megan struggling with her body and the way that she looked, and said that when Megan was in kindergarten, Mm -mm. she started comparing her body to other little girls, and even told her mom she didn't like the way her thighs looked compared Mm. to the girls in her class. I would die. I would absolutely die. And I'm sure this is like... Constant all the time, but mm-hmm. oh God. Yeah. To hear your little five-year-old pay attention to her thighs. Yeah, I would, I really would keel over. Like a belly is one thing, you know, everyone's aware of their belly, but thighs, mm-hmm. no. so, I mean, so no child sad. should be paying attention to their belly, but you know what I mean? It's like, right. oy, 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 that's awful. Tina said Megan started seriously struggling with her mental health as early as 2001 when Megan was in the third grade. During this time, Megan told Tina that she wanted to kill herself. Oh, my God. No. Ugh, third grade is supposed to be pretty cool, you know? Right? Like, I didn't start to get weird until sixth grade. Like, third grade, I was just... Like, nine years old, ten years old. Yeah, just writing poetry, making class projects about special effects in movies. That was third grade mm-hmm. Courtney, fourth grade Courtney. Yeah. Yep. 
I know I wanted to be an oceanographer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. You were your best. You were one of the best versions of yourself mm -hmm. at, at third grade. I would be devastated if my kid was death depressed in third mm -hmm. grade. Like to, depressed to the point of having suicidal ideation. It's <gasps> just awful. Her mother was understandably very alarmed and immediately scheduled an appointment for Megan to see a psychiatrist. The doctor diagnosed Megan with attention deficit disorder, depression, and self-esteem issues, especially surrounding her weight. Over the course of the next few years, Megan was prescribed Celexa, which is mm -hmm. an antidepressant that has a possible side effect of increasing suicide risk. Yep. Concerta to help people with ADHD and a mood stabilizer called Geodon. Megan had a tendency for her mood to switch very rapidly, happy one minute and then distraught the next. I can imagine her parents wondered if this was just normal signs of puberty or something to worry about, but they surely felt some relief knowing she was under the care of a doctor who could help them. No doubt. So Megan was relentlessly teased by the boys in her class. She combated this by befriending the more popular girls. This worked for a while, but it backfired when the girls who were supposed to be her friends turned on her and started teasing her too. Ugh. This was devastating, but she still had her neighborhood friends and was particularly close to one family on her block. Lori and Kurt Drew moved into the neighborhood and just so happened to buy the first house that Megan and her family had lived in on the street. Once the sale was final, the Myers moved four houses down. Lori and Kurt had a daughter, Sarah, who was Megan's age. Sarah and Megan were close. Megan even went on multiple family vacations with the Drews. Megan was open to Lori and Sarah about her mental health issues, and they knew she was taking medicine to help her. Megan would often spend all weekend at the Drews' home. Tina would later say that come Sunday, Megan would be ready for a break from Sarah, but despite the fact that Megan had been there nonstop for days, Sarah would feel rejected by Megan, and Lori and Kurt would be, quote, ticked off that Megan wanted to leave. Wait, I didn't follow that entirely. Okay, so Megan and Sarah, same age. Yes. Close friends. They live four houses down yeah, no, from I each other. Yeah, no, I got that part. Okay. But so so Meg Megan would stay all weekend yep. at Sarah's house, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Megan yep. would be ready to go home on Sunday, Yep. need a break from Sarah, and would leave, and Sarah would feel rejected that yep. Megan would want to leave, and her parents would get ticked off at Megan for leaving. Why would the parents get mad for her leaving? Because they hurt. She hurt Sarah's feelings by leaving. I got it. Okay. Got yeah. It. This this is just sort of how they are. They want what they want, and if they don't get it, if nobody in the family got gets it, it, then everybody gets mad at each other. Okay. Got it. So the tension between the families was made more difficult by the close proximity. It was hard to avoid each other when the houses were so close. Other neighbors said the Drews were not well liked in the neighborhood and often pushed themselves into social situations they weren't invited to be a part of. Mm. Despite this, Tina often stuck up for Sarah and would tell Megan she needed to be a better friend to Sarah and not just call her when she had nothing better to do. Uh-huh. When Megan started the sixth grade, she was still attending the local public school. This year wasn't great for Megan, but she got through it without too much trouble. Megan got in a few fights with the girls in her class, but it didn't seem too bad to her parents. Uh-huh. By the time seventh grade started in 2005, Tina said things became unbearably awful for Megan, who by this time was desperate to fit in with her peers. Megan wanted to start dressing in a more mature way, which her parents weren't thrilled with, and the bullying got so bad, 
that Megan's parents decided to transfer her to a private Catholic school for eighth grade. I would too. I can't, I mean. I would too. Yeah. I would not allow, just leave my child to the wolves knowing no. <laughs> how relentless the wolves can be. That just right. sucks. And that like nobody's going to do anything. I mean, there's only so much you can do. You can't like put a bodyguard on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I know that part of the problem in a lot of schools is, especially in early 2000s, but even now, teachers can't talk about who's doing the bullying. They have to protect the identity of the, you know, it's just like, it's hard to get information. It's hard to get protection. It's hard to know exactly what's happening. Yep. You know, as a parent, you can't, you just not a whole lot you can do. Yep. And if it's not stopping, then yeah, you've got to figure out a different solution. Yeah. Well, and in my case, and I'm sure still to this day, because I mean, and guys, I teachers are absolute fucking saints who need to be mm-hmm. celebrated for everything. But there's always a little couple bad apples in the bunch. And <laughs> my teachers were also bullies. Yeah. <laughs> in some absolutely. cases. Only like two, but yeah, they were also contributing to the bullying of me and my mm-hmm. friends. So yep. yep. Especially in high school. Yeah, not in high, not in middle school. Middle school teachers are the saints of all saints. Like <laughs> they really are. Oh my god! And what a fucking ragtag bunch of weirdos our middle school teachers were. But looking back, I'm like, yeah, of course you were actually drinking alcohol in, in my sixth class. grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you would have had to to do that job. <laughs> yes, they were so nuts. All of them, completely mm-hmm. insane. They really but. Were. For good reason. We made them that way. That was yeah. not their own fault. They did not come to school. They came to school all fresh like Zoe Deschanel, and then they left like actually drinking alcohol. In right. <laughs> uh, so Tina would later say that the switch was wonderful for Megan. The classes were smaller and uniforms were mandatory for all students. Megan stopped being so hard on herself and wasn't being bullied at her new school. Mm-hmm. Around this time, Megan started begging her mom to let her make a MySpace profile. Oh, God. Tina was very reluctant to let her daughter on social media again. Megan and Sarah had set up a secret MySpace account the year before. And when Tina had discovered it, she saw a Playboy bunny icon flashing as the profile picture. Uh Uh-huh. And made the girls delete the profile. And I can remember that so clearly. Uh, Yep. Yep. MySpace, guys. Woof. That I miss fun. it. I miss it so much. Take me back. <laughs> so Megan promised this time would be different, and eventually Tina agreed to her daughter's request, but under a few strict stipulations. Megan would only go online when her mom was home. Tina would be the one with the password, and Megan's profile had to be set to private at all times. Mm-hmm. Tina could look at anything that Megan posted and the messages she sent and received. Megan happily agreed and started working on her profile. You know, and I'm the type that wants to protect my kids' privacy. Yeah. But I also don't think that this is too much to ask for online stuff. Like, I don't know how I'm going to navigate social media for my kids, but it'll be something like this. Like, your diary is private. Your bedroom can be private. Yep. Your online interactions with strangers, not so much. I could not agree more. I'm sure you've all seen that clip of that video where they did the undercover sting where they would set up these, you know, open public 
social media accounts for like 12-year-old girls, nine-year-old girls. And they were like, we figure it'll take five days for adults to find them. And it was like- 11 two, minutes. Two hours, yeah. Two yeah. hours later and they had like 35 adult men right. messaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Yes, I have very, I mean, we'll see again. I haven't had to deal with it yet, but like my hope is I can keep social media and phones and stuff. Like they can be sneaky and make Playboy profiles, yeah. you know, like without me yes. knowing, but I'm not going to make it easy for them. And yeah. uh, I just think for teens, it's just really could be very damaging. Very damaging, very dangerous. And I mean, I think once again, it's like this is something they're going to have to learn how to navigate, right? right? So I think having conversations about them, with them about like grooming and about mm-hmm. bullying and about all the various things and trolling and like so that they can identify that and knowing your kids, I, you know, I feel like they would, they would be honest and come to you and say, okay, this is what I found or whatever. But yeah, I would also pretty strictly monitor it at mm-hmm. least until they're grown enough to be able to like handle themselves the brain to understand god oh god yeah i can't i just i'm so glad that i grew up before it me too right before no yeah so megan picked quote megan babby (laughs) as her internet handle and i'm laughing because it's so i relate to it so much it's and it's so sweet and it's so sad yep she wrote, quote, M is for modern, E is for enthusiastic, G is for goofy, A is for alluring, N is for neglected on her oh profile. God. Break my tiny little heart. No. As a profile picture, she posted one of herself wearing a sparkly tiara, dark eyeliner, and shiny lip gloss. She's looking directly into the camera with her lips puckered and a kiss. Megan's MySpace profile went live on September 13th, 2006, and she quickly started friending people she knew from school and came up with a perfectly curated list of her top five friends for all of MySpace to see. Mm-hmm. Those top five friends, that shit was stressful. Oh, I, I was not a teen it. at the time. Like, You're getting moved yeah. off the top five. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I mean, we were like in our early me. 20s. Yep. <laughs> We were still being jerks about our top five. Well, and it was a proper thing. Like, it meant something. If you look on their someone's page, you're like, oof, she's not, there's the top two. So mm-hmm. either BFFs or they're dating or what. Yeah. Like, yeah. It meant something. Yep. It really did. At first, MySpace seemed to be going well for Megan. A few weeks after starting her page, Megan told her mom that a cute boy named Josh Evans had sent her a friend request. She didn't know the boy but was interested in getting to know him. Tina looked at Josh's profile and said, quote, the picture of him was adorable. He had big blue eyes, very cute features, and brown wavy hair. His profile said that he was 16 years old and six foot three. He claimed to have a great chest, preferred Coke to Pepsi, didn't eat sushi, and said no, ew, <laughs> owned, quote, a trillion CDs, and liked pizza with green peppers, pepperoni, sausage. Oh, yeah. His profile bio read, quote, When I was seven, my dad left me and my mom and my older brother and my newborn brother. Poor mom. Yeah, she had such a hard time finding work to pay for us after he left. 
When asked what his goals were for the year, he said, quote, meet a great girl. When asked about the kind of girl he was looking for, Josh said he preferred someone with long brown hair, which Megan had, and said that the girl's weight, quote, don't really matter. Megan was smitten before she even had her mom's permission to accept his friend request. Mm-hmm. Tina eventually agreed, but made Megan promise if Josh said one mean word or became sexual with her in any way, she would have to unfriend him. Megan agreed. Josh and Megan started chatting and getting to know each other. Tina said that almost all of their communication was pleasant and friendly. Megan mentioned to Tina that she'd asked for Josh's phone number and he told her he didn't have a phone, which Tina thought was odd. Mm-hmm. Another time, Josh asked Megan if she wanted to pet his pet snake. Tina didn't like this, but when she told Megan what she thought he meant, she said that Megan was horrified by the idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, it's like, imagine Tina is just doing so well. Yep. Being honest. Yep. Explaining what it could mean to pet a pet snake. Yep. Having to re like deal with her teenage daughter's reaction to that. Like, oh yeah. gross mom, that's so yeah. disgusting. You know, just like <laughs> yes. but still trying to have these hard, awkward conversations with her it's daughter. So necessary. Yeah. It's like this, yeah, this is part of life. And ugh. you want your kid to just cruise through, but at the same time you kinda don't, because if your kid's cruising through, they're just gonna have a harder time as an adult, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. oh God, oh, yeah. this is why I'm not a parent. I can't. No. <laughs> One day, Tina was online and Josh instant messaged her thinking that she was Megan. Tina told Josh that she thought he was too old for her daughter and she said that Josh apologized and then logged off right away. Uh-huh. Tina even went so far as to call the police department to see if they could verify if Josh Evans was a real person. Wow. But they couldn't help her. Yeah. She really, really tried. Wow. Despite her concerns, Tina was happy to see Megan happy. She decided to let it play out, and she knew she could keep an eye on her daughter. Josh and Megan would chat back and forth for a total of 29 days. On the evening of October 15th, 2006, Megan received a message from Josh telling her that he'd heard she'd been mean to her friends. Uh-huh. Megan sent Josh multiple frantic messages back to back, asking him who he'd been talking to and what they had said exactly. She defended herself, but didn't hear back from him that night. Megan went to school the next day and handed out invitations to her 14th birthday party that was just a few weeks away. That afternoon, as soon as she got home, Megan asked Tina to log onto MySpace for her. Tina ran down to the basement where the computer was, logged Megan on, and then had to run off to take Megan's sister to an orthodontist appointment. As Tina was leaving, she yelled down to Megan and told her to get off the computer. Megan's dad was home, but he worked the early shift that day and was upstairs taking a nap. Once Tina was in the waiting room at the orthodontist, she called Megan to check on her. She said that Megan answered and was crying. She told her mom that she was still online and that some of her friends were being really mean and mocking her. Tina told her to log off immediately and forget about it. But when Tina called back 20 minutes later, she said that Megan answered again. This time, Megan was sobbing. Tina asked her what happened, and Megan said, quote, Mom, I can't even explain. (sighs) 
Once again, Tina told Megan to log off and she'd be home soon to sort things out. When Tina got home around 5 p.m., she found Megan still in the basement on the computer and said that Megan was completely overwhelmed. Megan explained that she was in the middle of an, quote, insult war with Josh and a few of her friends. Hmm. Josh was suddenly being very mean to her and she couldn't understand why. Tina skimmed the messages and saw that both Megan and another girl had called each other sluts. Someone sent Megan a message calling her fat, and Megan had responded with, quote, I'm skinny now. When Tina asked Megan why she was also being mean, Megan started crying more and yelled at her mom, saying, quote, you're supposed to be my mom, you're supposed to be on my side. Tina said Megan then got up from the computer and ran upstairs to her bedroom, bumping into her dad on the way. He tried to stop her and asked her what was wrong, but she pushed past him and ran to her room, slamming the door. Mm-hmm. I am going to give you all a trigger warning now for uh, death by suicide. God. Uh, it's going to make me cry. It's just so sad. So fucking sad. I don't know why I do this to myself, but... I know, I know. God. It's just impossible not to put yourself in the parent's shoes. Yep. Oof. Okay. So Tina decided not to follow her daughter. She needed to get dinner started and decided to give Megan time to cool off. After 20 minutes had passed, Tina said she had a, quote, god-awful feeling. Oh. She ran upstairs to Megan's room and found her 13-year-old daughter hanging in her closet. Oh, my God. I, uh-uh. <sighs> Probably just have to send the rest of this to Courtney because it's too sad. No, I don't think I can. I didn't know. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm <laughs> sensitive for this world. No. No. God, I can't. I can't. Months before this terrible day, Megan had asked her dad to take the doors off her closet so she could replace them with sheer purple curtains. Mm. Because of this, Tina could see her as soon as she entered the room. Good God. Megan was hanging from a cloth belt that she had tied around her neck. It was a belt that Tina had just bought for her a few days before. Good God. 911 was called right away and paramedics rushed Megan to the hospital. Despite their best efforts, doctors were unable to revive Megan, and she was pronounced dead in the early hours of October 17th. This was the day that she was supposed to finally have her braces removed, Mm. and only three weeks before her 14th birthday. Nope. She had just picked out a beautiful dress that she planned to wear at the party, but instead it was the dress she was buried in. Oof. Okay. We're, we got through that really sad part. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm over here fully dissociated. Just FYI, I can't. It's oh, just Lord. far, far, far too fucking sad. Far too sad. <sighs> so as Megan's friends and family grieved their tragic loss, Josh Evans completely vanished from the internet. Ron and Tina went through Megan's MySpace page trying to make sense of what had happened. Ron was the one who discovered Josh's final message to Megan. It read, quote, 
Everybody in O'Fallon knows who you are. You are a bad person and everybody hates you. Have a shitty rest of your life. The world would be a better place without you. Oh, my God. Megan responded saying, quote, you're the kind of boy a girl could kill herself over. Megan was found unconscious in her closet less than an hour later. It's just like, you know, the feeling she had and it's so real. And I think that's part of what makes it so sad, right? It's like, as a 40-year-old woman, I can sit here and I know that that's not true and there's so much to live for. But when you're 13 and depressed and have already have thought about suicide, like this is what pushes you. Like it's this simple for teens, right? It's this simple for adults. Right. Well, that too, but yeah. 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 It's fucking pain. And I don't, it came into my head last night. I don't remember why, but I just was thinking like, who are these parents that raise probably because the Murdoch's, I'm just obsessed with them like everyone else. But yeah. Like, who are these parents that raise children that are mean to people? It's so mm-hmm. un- incomprehensible to me. Like, I've never been mean to somebody like that, you know? No. No, I and it, even like I, when I have the urge or I've had the urge, yep. because I do, I mean, I think we all get those urges, like, ooh, that this will be funny or something. Like, uh, there's always that part of me that's like, whoop, nope, that's not nice. <laughs> whoa, whoa, yes. like, who are you, yeah. you jerk? Like, no. <laughs> Yeah, and well, I've been fact- mean to people who are mean to people. Like, that makes me want to be mean to people, but... Right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I was bullied a lot more. Laura and I were talking about it this weekend. Like, I feel like I was bullied more as a kid, but then I was thinking about it, and I was like, no, I only kind of had one bully, and she only bullied me, like, three times, you know? But mm-hmm. that's enough. That is mm-hmm. enough to shut you down completely. Imagine totally. just being relentlessly... Oh, God. No, I cannot imagine. I really can't. I was bullied. One boy tried to bully me once, and he was bullying me about you. Yeah. And I pushed him over a desk, and he yep. it really surprised him, and that was it. After that, I was like, no, oh, no, you don't mess with Sadie. She's, yeah, she's no, crazy or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I was like, no, no, I'm going to put up with it. No, I became a fighter, and some mm-hmm. people left me alone. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ron and Tina spent the next few weeks blaming themselves for not checking on Megan sooner. And by the next few weeks, I mean their entire lives, I'm sure. Um, Or following her upstairs. I can't, yeah. Yep. They couldn't believe how quickly she'd made the decision to die by suicide. Things would change for Tina and Ron when one of their neighbors came to them and said that they had learned that Lori Drew, Sarah Drew's mother, Mm. had been the one who created Josh Evans. No! No. Yep. Uh-uh. Come mm-hmm. on. It had all been a ruse to get back at Megan for allegedly spreading rumors about Sarah and Lori. No. The neighbor said that Sarah had given her daughter, so this is a separate family, okay? So the neighbor who came to, and I didn't, I decided to leave their names out. Yeah. Um, so they, this this other mother went to Tina and Ron and said, my daughter was asked to be a part of this. And this is how I learned about Oh the, my the plot. God. Yeah. So the neighbor said that Sarah had given her daughter the password and had encouraged her to join in on the, quote, fun. Mm-mm. After Megan's death, the girl had felt so terrible about what had happened, she told her mom about the plot. Holy Christ. I can't. I, I, my brain just released from my mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
So Ron and Tina contacted the police to see if this grown-ass mom could be held responsible for Megan's death, and an investigation was started. It would take some time, but eventually the full story would come out. Lori told police that she and her daughter Sarah both had the password to the account and had come up with the idea as a, quote, joke. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. At first, Lori denied knowing about the nasty messages sent to Megan and said that they had started the account to learn how Megan felt about Sarah. Regardless, also disgusting. Yes, like get a life, get a man. Life. Get a grip and get a life. Get a grip she on is your life. 13 years old. And you were you are a predator. You are preying on her. And you know that she has depression and is bullied and is taking medication. Like you know she's vulnerable. And you are a monster. Truly, like true if you guys are Patreon supporters, you know that Sadie just blew all of our minds by covering the cases of the prank calls to the McDonald's and like the true (laughs) depths of human depravity and Mm -hmm. like lack of critical thinking. But wow, you just topped yourself. You just fucking took it to 11, took it to 14 Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. horrifying scale. I, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to recover from this. I have to to work after this. I I know. (laughs) I know. I had a I had like a mini panic attack this morning, which doesn't happen to me anymore. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. What happened? Oh, it's this story. It's the story. Ugh. I'm having tween. Mm-mm. I have a tween now. Mm-mm. Oh, God, help me. And I just can't do it. Nope. Nope. When authorities talked to the other neighborhood mom who had been the one to go to Tina and Ron, she told them that Lori had laughed about the account and told her she started it to, quote, mess with Megan. She also said that on the night that Megan died, Lori had called her house and asked to talk to her daughter. After her daughter got off the phone, she told her mom, quote, Mrs. Drew said that something's happened to Megan and for me to keep my mouth shut. Wow. The investigation would show that Lori, Sarah, and a woman who had worked for the Drews at the time, 18-year-old Ashley Grills, had all been in on the hoax. Wow. Ashley had been the one who wrote most of the messages and had been the one who wrote the last message to Megan. She said that she was tired of the, quote, game and wanted Megan to stop messaging them. After Megan died by suicide, Girls was so distraught that she was admitted to the hospital for psychiatric treatment. So Lori would tell police that she felt the hoax had contributed to Megan's suicide, but that she did not feel, quote, as guilty because when she attended Megan's funeral, she found out, quote, Megan had tried to commit suicide before. Tina said wow. this is not true. Megan had thought about it before, but she had never made any attempts. Oh, my God. Not that it matters. Like, you should feel more guilty. Yes, for preying on somebody who's emotionally unstable. Mm-hmm. So at first, the Drews' identities were kept from the media in order to protect their underage daughter, but soon enough, their names were leaked, and the Drews were essentially run out of town. They were doxxed. It's like the internet got on board. They uh-huh. were not having it. Uh-huh. Fair. It, I would not want those people in my town no, either. My no. God. No. Like, if your tiny little daughter is not safe from them, God, no. yeah, fuck that. 
In an interview, Tina told reporters, quote, I know that they, meaning the Drews, did not physically come up to our house and tie a belt around her neck. But when adults are involved and continue to screw with a 13-year-old with or without mental problems, it's absolutely vile. Absolutely vile. Mm-hmm. Inexcusable. Mm-hmm. So when Lori was asked for an interview to share her side of the story, she responded through her lawyer saying that she was undeserved she was the undeserving victim of an quote avalanche of criticism. Oh she God. did nothing wrong. <sighs> so Missouri state prosecutors decided there wasn't enough to bring criminal charges against Lori or the others involved. But when Tina began openly criticizing the police, they decided to reopen the case. And eventually the federal government decided to charge Lori Drew for violating the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Yeah, there's got to be something. My God, like you can't not have some consequences. When an adult woman, like if even an adult stalking another adult, but an adult stalking a child, Mm -hmm. come on. Yeah. Find something, make something, right. invent something, like right. get it together. Totally. Jesus. The charges came out of California where MySpace is located. And on May 15th, 2008, Lori was indicted by the grand jury of the United States District Court for the Central District of California on four counts. Wow. So the exact wording for these charges are wordy and confusing. Yep. And so I'm just sort of, I'll sum them up as best as I understand them, but it's... It's all federal, like, computer stuff, so could yep. Lord help us all. Right. But they as far as I understand... So how are we supposed exactly, to... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So as far as I understand, um, she was charged for violations to this, this CFAA, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, by intentionally accessing a computer used in interstate commerce without authorization and an excess of authorized use. So basically, she made a fake profile to get information under false pre- pretenses. Right. And then they were, so they did make something up. They were like, oh, yeah, I mean, technically. It could that be that is, yeah, she. It's like some sort of financial <laughs> crime, but let's right. try it. Yeah, yeah totally. exactly. She also was charged for using interstate communication to obtain information from the computer in order to inflict emotional distress. Right. She was also charged with violating the CFAA by accessing MySpace servers to obtain information regarding Megan and a breach of MySpace terms of service. Mm-hmm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So in November 2008, Lori went to trial and the jury was like, hey, don't know what any of that means. Yeah. Hopefully they explained it to them better than I could find any explanations. But they found her guilty on three of the four counts brought against her. Wow. These charges were misdemeanors. Lori filed a motion for acquittal, and in August 2009, a federal judge granted her acquittal, and the charges were all dropped. Federal government decided not to try her again. Sadly, Lori was only found guilty in the court of public opinion for the terrible things she allegedly did to Megan. 
Well, I lived through the challenging of the Italians so far. They might be still amassing their uh, revenge, but now I have a new <laughs> enemy. Now we have to go get Lori. <laughs> right? I know. Well, I wanted to use a lot of like alleged, but she admitted to it. You know, there's yeah. police reports. And she said, this is what I did. No, yeah, we, we mm-hmm. have to do something. I don't know what, emancipate the world from her. I, mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. We'll make yes. something up. But my right. God. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and this punitive part of myself, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, it goes against, it's like the same thing that makes us want to bully each other. This mm-hmm. that, that little lizard part, man, what a little fucking asshole. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's very contradictory. It's very hypocritical of me to be like, we should all love each other. And then me be like, I want to destroy this Lori person. But it's hard. People like yeah. make it very hard. Yep. Well, I mean, I think that the lack of justice, like that she could put this together and then, you know, like I'm sure yep. life wasn't easy for her after that, but it shouldn't have been. Like she needs to be held accountable for yes. her actions. Yes. Megan is dead. She's gone. Yes. You know? And yeah. It's just, yeah, on a very minute, she does not have to be dead for me to be just absolutely horrified and disgusted by her action, by yes. Lori's actions. Yeah. The fact that she died is just insanely cruel. Mm-hmm. But d- you j- she's a child. She's a fuck. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what the fuck? That's insane. Right. That's insane. No. no, I know. So Megan's parents divorced soon after her death. Tina said they just couldn't get over the devastation of losing their oldest child. Tina now works to spread the word of cyberbullying and teen suicide and is available to speak to groups about her daughter's life and tragic end. Mm. When I decided to cover Megan's story, I was looking for a case that could highlight someone who had died by suicide. <laughs> I mean, like I got more than I bargained for, but... Yeah. All right, you guys, now it's time to hear a little something about our BFF, my favorite, favorite product, Pros, that I have yes. been properly influenced by my own self for because I love it so much. There is no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to hair care, and that's because your hair and your hair goals are completely unique. Before using pros, dry hair, dry scalp, lackluster, yuck. After pros, soft, shiny, no dry scalp, beautiful curls. For real, you guys. For real. It's insane. Thanks to both of our personalized pros routines, we can honestly say we have never been more in love with our hair. Honestly, honestly. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Pros makes custom hair care that's effective because it's personal, using natural ingredients with proven results. Pros customizes every product in your routine from shampoo to supplements. First, Pros starts by asking about my hair goals, like... Do you want less frizz? Do you want more volume, more texture, a balanced scalp, color protection, etc.? Their in-depth consultation also asks about you as a person. Pros asked me really unexpected things like, where do I live? How often do you go to the gym? Right. Yep. Yeah. How often do you wash your hair? Yep. Which is a very good question. Yep. Do you color treat your hair, etc.? Your age, all of these things factor in, and they ask you all of the questions that they need to know to personalize your hair care. Next, Pros analyzed all my answers and handpicked clean ingredients to help me reach my hair goals, which is very important to me. I don't want my hair suffocating from synthetic ingredients. I personally use the Custom Styling Gel as one of my favorites. I like a very light hold gel that 
once it's dry, I can sort of crunch it down so it doesn't look stiff, but I can also Mm -hmm. reconstitute it when I need it. If I want to add a little bit of water to get the curl to go back in place, it's very easy to do. It's flake-free, it's non-crunchy, it smells amazing, prevents frizz and shrinkage, even in humid weather with for people who have curly hair, understand how important that is. I also use the curl cream in tandem with that. I find that I need something that gives it a little bit of hold and then something that gives it sort of softness, makes it look soft, supple, textured. Those two products in combination have been phenomenal for me. Mm-hmm. I use them both too and have had the same results. Yes. And my hair is much longer and heavier, but it still holds the curl. It's soft. You can crunch out the gel. Mwah, chef's kiss. Absolutely. And Pros doesn't just sell hair care products. They also sell accessories like candles, which candles. smell like heaven. And if you're a scent person like Sadie and I are, the candles are incredible. They're soy-based. The, they, the packaging is so absolutely freaking attractive that I got one for my sister-in-law for Christmas. <laughs> Because they're so pretty and they smell amazing and they're made of natural products, which is incredibly important when you're burning a candle in your home. That's right. We have the Arcadia scent, which is woodsy and smells like flowers at the same time. Citrus, a little bit of basil, very complex. It's amazing. And as a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All of their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. Bravo. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take their products back. No questions asked. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh huh. So Pros is the key to achieving all of your hair goals this year. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash they will. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash they will for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Do it. You won't regret it. We promise. Yes. I recently took a training on suicide prevention and wanted to briefly touch on some of the things I learned that might be helpful to our listeners. The training I took was through the QPR Institute. QPR stands for Question, Persuade, Refer, which are the steps they want people to take when helping someone with suicidal ideations. Mm -hmm. They want their steps to be as common and well-known as CPR so that we can understand suicide better and do what we can to help those who need it. And it really was. I mean, it was a brief training. I think it was three hours and I learned a lot. And I think it's available, you know, nationwide and worth checking out. Suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in the U.S. overall and is the second leading cause of death for those aged 15 to 24. That's insane. In 2020, there was an estimated 1.2 million suicide attempts in the United States. Men die by suicide 3.8 times more often than women, but women attempt suicide much more often. Wow. People with depression, alcohol, or drug use issues, and those with bipolar disorder are at increased risk to die by suicide. Especially if there's like um, any psychosis with bipolar, the first time onset, mm-hmm. the first time they experience their symptoms, right, really increases their likelihood of dying by suicide. That makes sense. 
Those who have witnessed or experienced trauma and bullying are also at increased risk, and those who have lost a loved one to suicide are more likely to kill themselves at some point in the future. When you have a young teen like Megan, who has a history of depression and suicidal ideations, and then spends years being bullied, they are definitely at an increased risk of suicide when something devastating and embarrassing happens. Mm-hmm. Because suicide has been stigmatized for centuries, we've been taught it's taboo to talk about. This goes for people who want to to kill themselves and also for families of loved ones who have died by suicide. We are just Mm. not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. People often believe if they bring up the subject of suicide to someone who might be having those thoughts, it will encourage them to do it or plant ideas in their head. This is completely false. Mm -hmm. You can't make someone suicidal by talking about it. They either have those thoughts already or they don't. If they are already thinking about it, bringing up the subject helps them feel less ashamed and will let them know someone is paying attention. Makes sense. Yep. If you wonder if someone in your life is thinking about suicide, one of the best things you can do is ask them. Find a way to bring it up and try your best to say the words, quote, are you thinking of killing yourself or are you thinking about suicide? And you don't have to, in the training, like, you don't just like, oh, you're having a hard day. Are you, are you thinking of killing yourself? You know, have, it can I be an organic conversation, but you no. want to be direct. Let's, let's make it weird, guys. Eventually. Let's make it weird. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so try not to make it a judgment. You wouldn't want to say something like, you aren't thinking of killing yourself, are you? Right. Or you aren't thinking of doing anything stupid, Right. These words are placing judgment on the person struggling, and they are less likely to open up to you. Uh And also, for them, it's not a stupid thought. They're not going to, you know, it's not stupid. It's very serious. Yes. Yeah, serious, but also, yeah, like remaining neutral in the conversation. So, because I think people also don't want to feel, like you said, stigmatized. It's like even Mm -hmm. when you're sick, if if you have some sort of chronic illness like you don't want to talk about it because people look at you differently yeah but if you're like hey this is normal lots of people feel this way let's talk about it it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be such a weighty i mean it's obviously a super serious subject but the conversation can be serious but also not weighted in one direction or another for the person exactly yeah right yep and they're going to be more likely to be honest if you don't carry the judgment right around Right. These words are placing judgment on the person struggling and they are less likely to open up to you. If the person tells you they have been thinking about killing themselves, you have earned their trust enough that they feel comfortable talking about it, which is like the very best scenario. Yep. So as scary as it might be for them to be honest and for you to have to take that on, just know that that is like essentially, in not all cases, but essentially that's sort of the thing that will give them an opportunity to change their mind mm-hmm. and get help. Hopefully they will be willing to be open and honest about their very hard feelings and you can help them find a way out that doesn't involve hurting themselves. So after asking the difficult question, you now have the chance to persuade them to stay here on earth with us. Once someone admits to thinking about suicide, they often want to talk. The best thing you can do is listen. It can be difficult to stay quiet and and to not jump in with ideas or solutions, Mm -hmm. but try your best to let them lead the conversation. That's where I would fail. That's where I cannot be a suicide <laughs> operator. Right. I'm the queen of unsolicited advice. I've gotten, I've really tried to get better, but man, that that part, yep, get me off mm-hmm. the switchboard. I'd have to, mm-hmm. well, let me transfer you real quick. Okay, yep, right. we've established that you're thinking about it. Hold on one moment. Right. I'm here with you. Stay on this earth. One second. 
exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, going to therapy has been the best model for me to know more, like how it feels to let have somebody who just lets you talk. It, yes. To see it in action really helps yep. it make more sense on how to do it yourself. But it is hard. It's hard. Yes. And you want to make it all better. You want to, yes. you know, you, yes. you can't. You, you can by listening. Yes. Yeah, Laura, when Laura got sick last year or two years, however long ago, because time is a flat circle and nothing makes sense anymore, that really taught me. People wanted to tell me how I was feeling. I was like, oh, okay, this is what that's... Oh, yeah, this mm-hmm. is terrible. I don't like how this feels at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, yeah. now I've, I get it and I think I'm much better at it, but yeah. it's still hard because you want to fix it. You want to like... Of course. Why don't you try meditation? Yeah, you can go fuck mm-hmm. yourself. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So after listening, you can ask the person if you can help them get connected to resources or other people in their lives that could help. Saying something like, quote, I want you to live. Will you please stay alive until we can get help for you? Mm-hmm. After this, you can help them get connected to a mental health professional, clergy member, school counselor, trusted adult. And we now have a suicide and crisis hotline just by dialing 988. So depending on the access you have to the person's home, it's important to remove any items that could lead to a quick death, like a gun. Reminding people of the things they have to live for can help too. Family, children, and even pets can be a good reason to stay. And I always thought, like before I took the training, I was like, well, you don't want to like manipulate them. But you do. You totally do. You want to be like, oh, you've got this to look forward to. This and this and this and this person loves you and this person. And you know, like these are all of the things that you should stay for. Like I would notice... So-and-so would notice. Your yep. job would notice. We would all be devastated. Like letting them know that they are connected, that they matter, that this, yep. whatever they're dealing with, they're struggling with, there are other solutions. It's okay. We can yeah. get through it together. And the training goes into a lot of like what most people who have a, who've made attempts to, to die by suicide, yep. what their thought process was leading up to the attempt and how it wasn't. It's oftentimes it was just like a, you know, instant. Yes. Where they all of a sudden they're gonna do it right now. Yep. And but yep. there were also opportunities for them to be stopped. Like had somebody yep. leading up to that. But like the the actual act of hurting themselves was within a second. This is I'm just gonna do it right now. Right. Well, and what's the like the statistic of people who have survived suicide attempts and the regret, the mm-hmm. instant regret? It's like almost a hundred percent. Or so, you know, yes. like they were like. Oh, no. No, this is not what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Your brains are tricky little bitches, Mm -hmm. man. But really, removing the stigma around suicide is the first step, I think, in general, for all of us. Removing the idea that those who take their own lives are doomed to hell and are stupid and selfish also makes it easier for those left behind to open up and talk about their trauma and loss. Yep. Which then also lessens the chances of them dying by suicide. This is one of the reasons the language around suicide is changing. Saying commit suicide can be triggering to suicide loss survivors because it sounds similar to committing a crime. Right. Successful, unsuccessful suicide should be avoided. You should avoid saying successful, that was a successful suicide or unsuccessful. These terms place value on the act that isn't appropriate. Saying died by suicide or attempted suicide helps take the judgment out of the language, which might make it e- a little easier to start having more open and honest conversations about suicide. Mm-hmm. If you or someone you know are having suicidal thoughts, please know you aren't alone. And we very much want you here with us. Big time. 
please reach out. We are always willing to listen and we can connect you to resources in your area. I'm going to post lots of links for more information, ways to get connected to training if you want to learn more. You are loved, you matter, and we can get through this together. Hell yeah, we can. Yes, we can. And usually there's a simple solution, which is the weirdest (laughs) and worst part about this world that we live in. Right. You know, some people really are struggling, but... Okay, I'm going to, the neurodivergent impulse to make it about yourself. But this, I'm going to give a very quick example of something that has plagued me for my entire life. And literally two days ago, I figured out what it was. Like I told you all, I derealized. Like it's a, a, some sort of panic condition, brain condition. They don't entirely know why it happens, but every couple of years, sometimes more frequently, the world becomes a dream. It feels, it's fucking absolutely goddamn terrifying. It's the scariest weirdest, most disorienting experience to have. Sometimes mm-hmm. it lasts for hours. Mm-hmm. Turns out part of the reason that I derealized is because my eyes don't work simultaneously. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> like, and I've said to multiple people in my life, including my wife, I think it has something to do with my vision because there's a lot of time that I'll be in the grocery store. It happens a lot in the grocery store. Places with lots of visual stimulation. I was reading a Reddit blog recently and they're like, I tend to derealize on clear, sunny days. And that I, I've never derealized on a cloudy day. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it turns out there's like a condition that your eyes just don't entirely uh, match up. Like they don't function completely in unison. And it can, it just throws your brain off enough that your brain triggers this like sensation. And people have like have derealization so badly that it can last for months and years for some people. So Mm. things like that, it's like, I went 43 years, you know, like I was laying in bed and this fucking TikTok comes up. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, yeah, you're not crazy. You do have panic attacks in grocery stores, but all you really need is this prismatic lens. And I'm like, (laughs) you've got to be- Get out of here. Fucking- I was like shaking. I almost passed out in bed. I was just like, it's just that simple. Like mm-hmm. one of my eyes is slightly out of sync with the other eye. And I, and it's caused me to go into nightmarish waking dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. Anxiety can be caused by just so many things. Depression can be caused by so many things. And honest, you guys, not to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorists, but they want us sick. It's better if people are sick. We spend more money. We are more distracted. We are less likely to be successful ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? So please stick around. Please seek out information. Please reach out to each other and talk about how you are feeling. Like it's, I've said this before, if you feel like something is wrong with you, it probably is Mm -hmm. so important to understand what's going on in your mind and your body. And we are just, we were taught not to, we were taught to like suck it up and get, you know, be productive. And if you can't do those things, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And that killing yourself by dying by suicide is like the worst thing you could possibly do. So you right. better not talk about it because if you do, then you are weak yep. and you're stupid. You're all of the things, you know, no, that is not true. And it happens all the time. People yep. constantly feel that way. You are not alone and you deserve to be listened to and you yep. deserve to be helped. Yep. And if you're a parent, 
and you're struggling. You're all struggling. Every <laughs> last one of you, you're all mm-hmm. struggling. <laughs> yes. Y'all need to like yeah. communal style that, I guess not, because that turns into cults and that's terrible. But yeah, mm-hmm. like we have to do a better job of taking care of each other and ourselves. We need space mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves. We need space to take care of each other. Let's, uh, good yeah. story, think, dude. Good story. Thanks. Before I forget too, I just want to say that if you have lost somebody to suicide and I just, I want to say like all of these steps, these things that we can do, if it didn't happen for your loved one, it doesn't mean you failed them. No, no. It's mental health and it's, it's all so tricky. Yep. You are not at fault for that. It's not your fault. And I'm so sorry that it happened. Yep. Um, making sure that you also get the help and support you need is really important. Absolutely. We all just need to scream yeah. the shit from the rooftop so that there is space for people to talk about these things or identify mm-hmm. them. Because, I mean, honest to God, we just were not. I've Like no. Sandy and I grew up in a very open household, totally weird for the time, totally open, very communicative, very like abstract in our thinking and our, you know, the ways we were raised. And I still had no idea about so many things about my own self, you know, and I was encouraged to explore those things that I still didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, we have to try to talk about these things. We have to try to raise awareness because that awareness is like fucking the potion of life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, it really is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't really like when I started therapy and my therapist was like, oh yeah, that's not, that's not uncommon. Or, you know, just like normalizing yeah. things yep. that felt so abnormal. Yep. Uh, helping just like, yeah, you know, we spend so much time in our lives like beating ourselves up for things that you can't control and you yep. know, like not understanding like why do I think this way? And yes, like life is yeah. hard. Yeah. And we've had a, a mother reach out a couple of times and talk about, you know, I've always like, God, you guys, the 90s, the 90s. And I rewatched Showgirls last night. And you guys, the 90s, the 90s were crazy. But <laughs> making an excellent point that maybe the overt misogyny was more prominent in the 90s. But I like my bad shit right out up in, in the open, you know. Mm-hmm. So to her point, the mother's talking about like porn and like online bullying and trolling and, you know, all the things that young people, specifically young females are up against and it's true like this shit's kind of gone underground and that's not a good thing right? right so the people who were previously allowed to just be like hey nice titties you know now they have mm-hmm. to do it from behind a online persona versus just in the movies or on television right. yeah which is not a good thing necessarily so i appreciate her reaching out and pointing that out and suicide, anxiety, depression, all of those things are significantly higher currently because it's a whole other fucking host of shit we have to figure out and talk about. And I don't, yeah. I do not know what the answer is, but I think talking, talking about it, <laughs> being honest with right. it, giving like, you, you know, all the things we were just saying, it's happening. It's there. Girls don't have to navigate it alone. I don't, I, I, you know, as somebody who's always valued their autonomy I would not feel, I would not be pumped that my parents were up in my online life, but I think it's a boundary that we have to set for young Mm -hmm. people, at least until 
we feel somewhat confident that they have the tools to navigate it themselves. But even then, it's fucking hard. Right. A reason. Well, I don't always, I still don't know how to navigate it really. No, <laughs> like, no. It's so tricky. Yeah. Well, Sadie yeah. and I blew up on TikTok, got a billion new followers on the podcast and then the negativity shows up, right? So yep. that's the the upside of having a kind of a slow growth is that the people who are here want to be here. But once you, once social media is your catapult, like the, here come the fucking trolls, like mm-hmm. instantly. And I don't like it. Sadie so didn't like it. It's really hard to navigate. And so we just stopped doing TikTok. You know? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, that's hard. Anyway, anyway, I, oh, real quick, I want to say what the eye disorder that I figured out that I probably have. I have not been diagnosed, but I'm 9,000% sure I have this. Uh, binocular visual dysfunction is what it's called. So if you're like, ID realize in the grocery store, that's what you need mm-hmm. to go talk to a specialist about. And there are not a lot of eye doctors that know about this. So I don't think your regular op- optometrist is going to be like, oh yeah, here's your prismatic lenses. Like my nearest <laughs> visual specialist is in Detroit for example, three and a half <laughs> hours. Go. Away. Yep. It's anyway. To go. Anyway. Well, we, we did it. We got through it. We did. Now um, it was very heavy, very sad, very disturbing, but very important. So thank you, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> uh, so, wow. A lot wow. to think about, a lot to unpack, which is yes. the theme of 2023. Yeah. Yep. And uh, let's do some names, shall we? Let's do shall we just yeah, jump right into them. the names? I've, yeah, I've, there's no other way around it. I don't know if I've ever needed the names more than I do right at this moment. Oh, yeah, oi. All right. It's name time. Someone has a William Wiener and a Rowdy Joe. All one, all one word. R-O-U-D-Y-J-O-E. Wow. Rowdy Joe. That's amazing. It's amazing. Somebody's name was Sharpie Bright. Aww. He was attending classes with Dale Carnegie. Oh, that, oh, was, that, that was me. Mom. I sent I that to like, you. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> God, Sharpie. it's so funny how you write I, these things down. I'm like, I'll remember who that is. No, nope, that was you. I was like, was that no, mom? I, no, it was you. I, Yes, I you know I still have my eBay side hustle and um, get these amazing treasures. Somebody gave me these Dale Carnegie booklets from 1956 or something to sell, and <laughs> they have all of these um, like notes and a letter. And one of the guys was Sharpie Bright. <laughs> so good, <laughs> so cute. There's a major league baseball player named Ten Million. What? Yes. Ten amazing. million, old timey. Ten million. Damn wow. it! I love that name. I want to be ten million. <laughs> ten million. God. Wow. Put it in the That's top amazing. ten. That is in the top ten million. Ten top million. Ten million. Oh, somebody's. Uh, somebody went to school with somebody named Tim Ian Miles. So his initials spelled out Tim. That's just like uh, Megan Glenn, our dear dear yes. Megan Glenn. Her initials are Meg. Ugh. Katrina McConkey. God, I love a McConkey. God, I love a McConkey. Oh, I just got chills. I love a McConkey. <laughs> oh, the world cannot have enough McConkeys. Never need more McConkeys. <laughs> more McConkeys. Max McConks. Max McConks. Cody Bender. 
Oh. Asty Speed. (laughs) Check this out. Dolly Jolly. Oh, no. Yep. Dr. Pepper. The world also needs max Dr. Peppers. I know that of at least two Dr. Peppers. And Dr. Marijuana Pepsis. We cannot have enough Dr. Marijuana Pepsis. That is not on this Never. list, but Dr. I mean, she remains my fucking hero. PhD, Dr. Marijuana Pepsi. <laughs> She's like, that's my name, and I'm remaining Dr. Marijuana. Yes, you should. You Forever. Should. Yes. Dr. Brilliant. Uh, give me Someone a named Danielle Lux. So she is D. Lux. Lux. Yes. Demon W. Givens. God, Whoa. Uh, that's it. 10 million in Demon Givens need to be BFFs. <laughs> Actor named Harry Peacock. Oh. Oh, check this out. Ashley Lashley. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's like a character from a 90s comedy. Ashley Lashley. God, so cute. <laughs> Just. Ugh, it's almost as good as McConkey. <laughs> oh, yes. I love rhyming names, but Lashley. I mean, it really sounds like they Lashley. made it up. Like Ashley yes. Lashley. Oh, what's up, Ashley that's what- Lashley? Like that's, I, yeah, I would say that to my friend named Ashley. I'd call her Ashley yes. Lashley because it's so yeah. cute. Yep, it'd be my made up best friend's name that lives in England. Or, yes. you know. <laughs> Ashley Lashley. First name Lively. That's very that's cute and pretty. beautiful. Finkelscheit, last name, <laughs> Finkelscheit. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, some German names, some German oh, translations. Oh, boy. So these, these are names that translate well or not so well. It looks like Dr. Gan Sausage. Sausage. <laughs> uh, Dr. Gan Sausage. Uh, but it... Translate to Dr. Goose Eye or Dr. Whole Eye. <laughs> Gross. Uh, this person who wrote their last name literally means wooden board. And there were uh, people who went to school with, with the last name Nail and Hammer. Cute. Grandmother's maiden name was also Hammer. Uh, Eck, our last name means corner. So growing up, everyone called me Courtney Corner. I don't know what it is with like the German urge to translate your last name, but I appreciate this email. Yeah, like, yeah, this is right. Oh, the, and she said, last one, her and her partner, this person and their partner, love the last name Rosa, but that would be the German word for light pink, and so their name would be pink board. <laughs> Which, fuck it. You know what? Go for it. Do Go it. For pink board. Yep. You got to do it. Um, okay, so this name is Toby Dubay, but it written out is Toby... <laughs> Thoby Doob. It, it says Thoby Doob. And so the listener that sent it, and I've Thoby Doob for fucking ever, forever and ever, Thoby Doob. But it's Toby, Toby Doob, Toby Doob. Thoby Doob. Poor Thoby Doob. He's like, God, no, no, that's not my name. My name is Toby Doobay. No, T H O B Y D U B is Thoby Doob, dude. I'm sorry. Sorry. The no. world has spoken. Just kidding. Toby Doobay. Both ways are very fun to say, so it's yes. sort of a win-win. <laughs> Roads in the UK. This one came in at the 11th hour, just very first thing this morning. Butthole Lane, which I feel like Butthole Lane <laughs> might have made an appearance before, uh, but we're never Never stopped deny. saying it. <laughs> yes. Just like Les McBurney, Butthole Lane always, and any McConkie. Yes. 
Yep. Water <laughs> for Crystal Drive or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, there's a road in the UK called The Knob. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised not all of the roads are called The Knob. Honest there. to God. Well, and this one might have also shown up before, but Titty Ho. <laughs> uh, assuming this one's Penis Stone, but it's spelled Penis Tone. <laughs> and also, if you're not from the UK, if you're from the United States of America, or New, you know, if you're not from New Zealand, pr- places with British rule, fanny means vagina, and there is a <laughs> fanny street. It just okay. okay. And also, minge refers to the female downstairs in area, minge lane. <laughs> what? what? And I we like all of a sudden know you got that. you got like shy about saying vagina again. <laughs> You know, or does minge mean like the whole area, like the whole I don't pelvic know. floor? Area. The only reason that American people who were born, who are like elder millennials, millennials, know the word minge is because of those little moppets that did the Quiznos commercials. Remember? <laughs> yes. And the kittens, the rocking out kittens with the flying yes. V guitars, they would sing about minge and flange. And that's the only reason we know what minge and flanges is because of those fucking kittens. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. those oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Creatures. No, yes. Yeah. They, they had a whole website, which I can't remember the name of. Listeners, what was the name of that website? You could, I'm sure it's still up. Like, I'm sure Homestar Runner, I know Homestar Runner is still oh, up. Oh, right. Probably the Kisnet, Quiznos artists. I don't even know what to call those people. <laughs> we learned a lot about minges and flanges because of that website. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there you go, everybody. That's good. That was a good list. We needed we needed that. List yes, today. to all the McConkies out there doing the Lord's work and making us fucking happy and laffy. happy. Yes, happy and laughy and comfy and Lashley and relaxy and Lashley. <laughs> we love you. We love you. Uh, we love you. All right, let's do. let's quickly do two shouty outies. Yeah, we got to feel go. a little um, mushy. But run out. <laughs> <laughs> a little strung out, but that I think might work in my favor today, y'all. Yes. Hey, real quick. April 7th, be there, be square on the yeah. computer. Go to our party on April 7th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Saving. I think it's Eastern. I don't know. Uh, yep. Anyway, 8 p.m. Indiana, Central Indiana Time. Uh, come join us. If you're a Patreon, you can come hang out with us in yes. live person on the internet. Yes, and if you want to become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 a month, sign up, get some goodies, add free, one bonus episode per week, and you can come to our party on April 7th, and it's fucking great over there. And you get one of these shouty outies. Eventually, it takes a while to get to them, but I really try to make it worth your while, so hopefully it's worth the wait. People really responded to last week's shouty outies, which- (laughs) Because they were brilliant. Felt like a fever dream, but- I'm glad. I'm glad we have you found our people. <laughs> yes. I mean, truly, honest to God, the weirder I get, the more you love me. So here we go. Uh, okay. I, I'm just going to do the full name because it's too cute. And I'm so that we're just doing it. Thank you yeah. so much to Haley Hinky. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. I know. If I was going to write a cartoon, it would be The Adventures of Haley Hinky, and Haley Hinky would go, live on a mound, and Haley Hinky would have to roll down the mound to get into town and to put on her bloomers and 
shoot the boots down, whatever the <laughs> kids say from ballroom culture, appropriated from ballroom culture. Handy Hinky would uh, skippity scop and a clippity clop and down the lane to the tippity top of her life, of her success and her dreams. She finds herself there and it's all that it seems. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's comfy. It's bright. She revels and revels all through the night (laughs) and into the day and day after that and every single day for the rest of her fucking life. Haley Hinky is happy. Haley Hinky is gay. Haley Hinky, Haley Hinky, that fucking badass is here (laughs) to stay. (laughs) Just speaking of eyes, I don't, haven't needed glasses yet in my life and I just made my screen bigger to double check and it's actually Haley Hinkle but I want to just keep with Hinky. So. I think she, think she's okay with that. It can be and alter Haley ego. Hinkle is also really cute. It's extremely cute and I think she'll, <laughs> that's your alter ego should you choose to be Haley Hinky who rolls down the mound and into town. <laughs> right. Uh, and you. last but certainly not least, nope. thank you so much to Henry B. Oh, killing me today. You got Haley's and Henry's. No, from New Zealand, it looks like. Oh, please. Speaking of mounds, Henry B. bopping around New Zealand town, going to the fjords, going to the mounts, going to the shires, going to the... Joints. <laughs> and by joints, I mean juke joint, to have a little dance. To dance and dance and dance. And also to prance. Henry B., can't you see how fucking brilliant you are to me? Because everyone in New Zealand is sarcastic, has their priorities straight, <laughs> fucking good looking, uh, has fresh air and you can see it in their faces. <laughs> they have know how to live and live and live. Henry B, next to the sea, because New Zealand is two islands. I'm just naming all my favorite things about New Zealand. <laughs> Literally everyone I ever met in New Zealand were the best people I'd ever met. Creative, buoyant, handsome Rugged in a weirdly sophisticated way. Henry B., can't you see what you mean to me? Welcome to this weird cult. We love you. Fuck fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Henry B. That is a very cute name. So cute. It makes me want to be in New Zealand with the sheeps, with the sheepdogs, with, with the shires, with the... God, that country. I mean, heaven on earth. God. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. I can't, don't even get me started. If, there's a, if there is a chance for us to figure shit out, it would be by paying attention to New Zealand, probably Iceland. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just like right? do what they do. Everybody just look at that. I'm sure it's not perfect over there. I know that like the Maoris, it's not perfect, but it's a little bit better. It's at least a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We can get at least a little bit better, you guys. We can <sighs> we sure try. We know that, yep. that, yep. Anyway, 
thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for supporting us. Yes. I just, God, life is so big. It's so broad. It's so beautiful. And uh, you have shown us, like, you continue to show us the edges of what that means and be, take us beyond those edges. And we appreciate you endlessly for that. So we're in this together. If you want to spend more time with us, go to our Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at They Will Kill. Go to our website, theywillkill.com. And you can always email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us. Please do it. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you, AJ Bergen, for your music. Thank you so much. And remember. I really just think we have to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and, talk yep. and listen. Yep. I saw listen. it. Yeah, some philosopher said you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen more than you talk. But we also talk in service of preparing others to listen. That's what I'll say. Make sure you talk in service of preparing others to listen and yourself. Listen and talk. Share and create space. And we love you very much. And we'll see you next time. Yep. And we're in this together. And you're not alone. You have panic attacks in grocery stores, just go to fucking get your eyes checked. We love you. <laughs> we love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.